Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors. Real contractors, true stories, real solutions. Hey, when the podcast is over, do us a favor and leave us a review. We want to hear from you and and tell us uh, what we're doing right or wrong. Also, if you're looking for a community to connect with other like-minded contractors, check out our free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Group. Or if you're looking to take your business to the next level, you can also check out our paid coaching group called the Profit Club. You can find out more about that at hammerandgrind.com forward slash the Profit Club. So this this episode, we're going to be talking about something I get kind of fired up about. Eric and I just spent the last 20 minutes arguing over this. So we uh, we figured we'd go ahead and <laughs> start, start the podcast. So we're talking about not your clients or not your customer. You should have pushed record like 28 minutes ago. The podcast would be done and people would have caught some fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably oh, hey, would have listen. been our best, our, our highest podcast ever. I know, dude. Hey, listen, I just got off this phone with this this prospect. Yeah, they they couldn't afford me, so like they, they're totally not my client, dude. That's yeah, I gave awesome. Him a price. You... Yeah, I gave him a price, and I was like, "Bro, this is my price." And they're like, "Oh my god, that's a lot of money." I'm like, "Yeah, so." And then they're like, "Yeah, we, I, I think I, I don't know if we can afford it." I'm like, "Okay, cool. You're not my client. Done. Next." Dude, that's awesome. I hate when people waste my time like that. I yeah, just, screw I'm like, those people. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I hope you aren't one of the contractors that do that because I hear that all the time. I get Dude, so fired up about this, man. You see that kind of stuff in groups all the time, and you see like twenty-seven contractors go, "Yeah, man, they can't afford you. They're not your client." <laughs> so annoying. Oh no, it's it's crazy. It's so crazy. It's like the blind leading the blind out there. You know, a lot of these contractors go into these groups so they can they can uh, feel better about their crappy sales. <laughs> sales uh, uh, stats and how they do their, uh, you know, in their business. So whenever someone else is like, yeah, man, I, I had this crappy customer and he wanted me to come out there for free. And I told him to F off. I ain't doing that. It's 500 bucks. And then they're all like, yeah, high five, high five, man. That's awesome. Listen, I just got off the phone with this customer right now and I talked to them. I told them all that I could make magic in their backyard. And I told them all the different brands and stuff that we use and how long I've been doing this. I've been doing this a long time. I'm pretty good at it now. And I told them all this stuff. And then they're like, oh, I need to think about it. You know, and I'm like, they're never going to call me back. They're never going to call me. I knew right away they weren't my customer. (laughs) (laughs) They're not my client. I I had this call earlier and, and they asked me if I had any experience. And I said, I've been in business for 75 years. I've done everything you could possibly think of. And then they had the audacity to say, yeah, but have you actually done this one thing? And I'm like, well, no, I haven't done that before, but I can figure it out. And they got all pissed off. And I was like, screw you. You're not my customer. <laughs> Dude, I love the contractors are like, yeah, we, I've, you know, he's like 28 years old. He's like, we got 80 years experience. And like, well, what does that even mean? Like, 
because an 80 year old man taught you how to swing a hammer. Now you have 80 years of experience. Get the out of here, dude. You just reminded me of the the funniest. You just reminded me of the funniest story ever. I hired this young kid. He was a good kid and I, and he was in the national guard, which is cool. That's a, that's a, you know, a bonus to me. And I said, how much experience do you have? He said, I got three years experience. I'm like, cool. And he was in the guard as a uh, engineer, you know, like a combat engineer. They built like he was a carpenter in the guard. So it's like, cool. So I hire him and he clearly was, didn't have much experience, which I knew that going in, but I, I figured he had some more. So we were driving down the road and I asked him, I said, so where did you get all your experience? Like you said, you had three years experience. Like, how did you come up to that? You know, with that he goes, well, when I was in training for the guard and it was like, I forget how long, like eight weeks, he said, uh, or maybe it was three months. I don't know. But he said uh, when we was in training, they said all the training that we received in this eight-week period is the equivalent of three years of experience in the real world. <laughs> That's so funny. And I was like. Get uh, the fuck out of my like, truck right yeah. now. I was like, okay, dude, listen. I would have pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, dude. Okay, listen. That's not how that works. <laughs> That's, with some of these contractors, yeah, we have over 80 years experience because we have six guys that, you know, have 10 years experience among each one of them. And I'm like, that's only 60, bro. That's not 80. I know. And how about eight guys at 10 years each? There you go. Dude, know your numbers, bro. That's part of what we teach. Know your numbers. Yeah, but listen, I'm really good at this. I have tons of reviews. People love me. You know, I'm, I'm just the best there ever was. Well, Brett, that sounds great. You know what? Let me... Let me talk to my wife about this, and I'll get back to you. Is that cool? Oh, so I guess your wife carries your balls in her purse, huh? You got to ask her for permission for everything. <laughs> Have you met my wife? <laughs> so what's the main theme of this podcast? You're probably wondering, like, what the hell Eric and Brad are talking about? We hear this all the time. We hear this all the time about contractors and groups that are doing this and most of the time it's because they're not talking to their customer the right way and they believe that they're not the right customer. Well, that's the defense mechanism right there. Okay. So contractors have egos, you know, they, they work their ass off, they're craftsmen, they're, they're good at maybe their craft, but maybe they're not great businessmen or women. Maybe they don't know how to sell very much. You know, they could be awkward, they could be introverts, all, all that stuff kind of ties in together. But the defense mechanism is they are not my client. That's not my customer. They can't afford me. They don't want to wait for my timelines. Like they, they come up with these defense mechanisms to make them feel better about themselves and maintain their pride and their ego and go home and be able to tell their, their spouses that like, hey, I talked to this customer today, you know, but, but they just weren't my client. You know, it makes them feel comfortable with the loss, with the L. They took an L right there. You know, how much did it cost? I mean, do, do contractors actually even know what how much it costs for the phone to ring? I mean, how much money do you spend on marketing and how many phone calls do you get? That's how much it costs per call to, to ring, you know? And they're not tracking that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole other topic. But, you know, people are spending three, five hundred dollars a month on Google pay-per-clicks and they're getting these leads in and then they're not the right customer. And it's like, why are you spending that much money on leads if you think everyone's not your right customer? 
there's really only two things here that's happening. One is it's true. They could not, you know, it's possible they're not your right customer or not the right customer for you. That is a possibility. And two is you're not talking to them correctly. You don't know how to talk to them. And so anytime you have any kind of objections or, you know, they don't comply with your process and they get all pissed off and you're like, oh, they're not my customer. No, that's you. That's your fault as a contractor. Even today, just today, Eric, I had a lady that texted me on Facebook and the first thing out of her mouth was, hey, do you guys do free estimates? We want to have a bathroom done. Now, some contractors would jump all over that and be like, oh, they're a bunch of tire kickers wasting my time. And I would just respond with, no, we don't do free estimates. We charge $500 for an estimate. And that's it. The conversation's over. They never hear back from the person. And then in their mind, they have a validation of, see, they weren't my customer. Right? I mean, that, so, that's an example of talking wrong to the prospect instead of talking to the wrong prospect. Like, that's, that's really testimony yeah, there. Correct. And so my response to her was, we do things a little different. And a lot of our customers really seem to enjoy it. We have them send us pictures and then we get on a phone call and we talk about their project. And then I can even share on there what type of investment they would be looking at for a project like that. And then if it makes sense, we can set up an on-site visit to uh, go further. And she's like, great. Where do I send pictures to? Right? So. Yeah. I got them into my process without one telling them what my process is. I mean, I did tell them, but I didn't word it in a way of, well, this is how we do things. You either do it our way or get the heck out of here. Yeah. And and she's complying to the process, you know, probably with some little bit of gratitude, like, oh, cool. He has, you know, he, he has a way he wants to do things. You know, you're going to share a number with her and then you're going to tell her, hey, if, if that's cool with you, then my next step is it's 500 bucks and I come out to your place and we kind of get started. Would that, does that sound fair? And then all of a sudden she's there. It's the same. It's the same customer. It's a different process. It's a different way to communicate. And so that was a brilliant way that you, that you shared that. And so the, the, the point is to get that across to the contractors that don't realize that there is a particular, you know, style that you can communicate with the clients. It's, it's, uh, it's a game changer right there. Well, listen, uh, you know, truth be told, I don't believe she will be my customer. I, I think it will come down to money and we're probably going to be too expensive. That's just a hunch. I'm not going to make that assumption going into the phone call and then, you know, lean that way. And when it starts going that way in the conversation, like say, oh, I told you so, you're wasting my time. No, I'm not going to do that. I still have kind of a hunch and I, and a belief around that. But here's the other thing. You never know who you're talking to. You don't know who those people know. Just because that person is not your customer doesn't mean that they can't provide you with other customers. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they're an interior designer and they have a certain time frame and you can't meet that time frame and you think they're being ridiculous about it. Well, I mean, they have hundreds of customers that maybe they want to use you for. Like, you just don't shoot yourself in the foot just because someone's not your customer. Right. And that all comes back to how you're how you're talking to them. But I want to talk about the marketing piece because you mentioned it a little bit back. I remember this was probably 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. Probably, oh, it's probably 18, 20, 2003 is an approximate time. I remember I did this marketing piece in this one magazine and there was like a before and after shot and it showed like, it didn't show like this, 
grass area, a landscape area that's just kind of dry, ugly, whatever, and then we turn it into a water feature. I took a picture of an old, gross, trashed up pond with algae everywhere, and I was like, if you think ponds are supposed to look like this, would it blow your mind if I told you your ponds couldn't look like that? And I showed this beautiful pond. And so it was like this really empowering, impactful before and after shot. And the statement was, if you think ponds look like this, I want you to know they can look like that. And that's the piece that I put out. And my goal was to be like, hey, I want to track the clients that just bought a new home and they want a water feature, but they think they look like crap and they would never want to spend money on that. They want something beautiful. And I'm going to get all this new construction. I'm going to get all this like, you know, my, my phone's going to ring off the hook. Now, it was a really good ad and my phone's rang off the hook, but it was the completely wrong expectation of a customer for me. They were still my clients. They still wanted my service, but it was people who had horrible, disastrous, gross, disgusting looking ponds and they wanted them to look nice. So the point that we were talking about earlier, you mentioned like that ad attracted a certain client, but it wasn't what I expected. And I presume that in 2003, I probably didn't handle the phone calls as well as I could have because all these people with horrible ponds wanted me to fix them. I'm like, I don't fix old shitty ponds. I just make new, beautiful ponds. And so I was like, oh, they're not my customers. So I, I mean, the reason I can speak to you with this kind of confidence is because I've done exactly what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast that was, that you, it was laughable that we were laughing at each other. Like you don't really talk to your customers. Like I've done that. And that's why I can speak to you with such authority on the topic. I've done it too, Eric. I've done it with, um, you know, people texting in. They're like, hey, I have an investment property. I need uh, some work done. And I just respond and say, I'm too expensive. <laughs> you told, you just, told me about expensive. that. That's, that's crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, I may have been a little frisky that day, having a bad day or something. But, you know, eat my own words. Like, I don't know who that guy knows. I mean, maybe he's maybe his brother is the mayor of the town. I don't know. But you, you talked about marketing. That's so important. And that is, that is a main part of this, right? If you're sending out the wrong marketing message, then you're going to get the wrong potential clients, right? And so you're going to waste more time weeding through those bad clients. And I do want to tell a little story. It's my, my fishing analogy. And this fits in here really well about attracting the right clients. And this isn't more like how to, this is more kind of a 30,000 foot view, if you will. But, you know, if you want to go bass fishing, have you ever been bass fishing? Not, not like a true kick-ass bass fishing thing. Not like okay. I see in, yeah, like go for it though. I know what real awesome bass fishing looks like. Yeah. Well, you're in California. You probably fish, you probably fish for something else. But out here in the Midwest, we, a lot of us like to fish with <laughs> large mouth bass <laughs> And these old stripper pit lakes and stuff. So, you know, if you want to go fishing and your goal is to catch largemouth bass, there are certain bait that you have to use. And full disclaimer here, I am not a very good fisherman. I don't like fishing because I suck at it, but I've been fishing quite a bit. So I don't want you, I don't I, want to. I, wait, hold the, on. I'm, I'm the kind of fisherman that's drinking the whole time. That's fun. Like drinking beer. That's like, if you don't catch any fish, but you catch a buzz, it's 
still a good fishing trip, right? Okay, stop. Stop Jeez. ruining my story. Okay, sorry. Go on, go on. I just I'm just vanguarding because I don't want to hear all of the comments in the on Instagram or Facebook about how I don't know what I'm talking about around fishing and what the right type of bait you're supposed to use and all that crap is. So just if you're gonna go bass fishing, you don't just roll up in your boat out in the lake, right? First of all, you don't go buy a seventy thousand dollar bass tracker or whatever the latest nitro boat is because you got to look cool. That's a metaphor for your uh, $70,000 pickup truck you just bought. But you don't roll out there in the middle of the lake and just throw a net in the middle of the lake and try and catch all the fish. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you throw a net out there, yeah, you might catch 30 fish. But there might only be two bass in there. The other one might be crappie or catfish or whatever else, bluegill, whatever else is out there. Right? So if you're going to go bass fishing, you gotta you got to use the lure to catch bass, right? You got to use a specific lure. Not only that, you got to go and you got to fish the areas of the lake where the bass hang out, right? Because they don't just swim out through the whole lake. But here's the thing I want to say. If you're in a lake, and let's just say there's a thousand fish, there's a total of a thousand fish in this lake, and you are looking for largemouth bass, that's your ideal client. And in that mix of a thousand fish, there's only 300 largemouth bass. That's it. There's 300 out of a thousand fish in this lake. Your goal is to try and find those 300 largemouth bass fish, right? You don't do that by going through the other 700 fish first to try and find that those 300. So the more laser focused your marketing is, the more you fish with the right bait, the more you fish in the right location, the the higher probability you have of catching those 300 largemouth bass. Are you going to catch some bluegill on, you know, in there? Sure. You're going to catch some crappie in there? Sure. But you increase your chances of finding the right customer if you're using the right marketing, if you're targeting it in the right location. And then on top of that, now that you've caught the fish, you've caught the largemouth bass, that's just the beginning of the process, right? You got to set the hook. You got to reel it in. You got to do all these things to catch the actual fish or you're going to lose them. And that's the translation of the, you know, talking on the phone, how you talk to them. So it is possible to catch a largemouth bass, but if you don't catch, if you don't talk to them the right way, you can lose them, right? How many times have you seen the guy that gets the largemouth bass, a big old six, seven pound bass right up by the boat? And they're getting their net in there to catch it, and the fish jumps off the hook. You ever seen videos like that? Yeah, that's when they're like, um, I need to think about it. <laughs> they're out, I to, right? <laughs> I need to talk to my wife. Right. So that's all part of the analogy of it. But the main thing I want to say is that people want to show up in their boats and throw nets out there and then be like, they want to go through 700 people that aren't their customers. It's a hell of a lot easier, guys, if you figure out your marketing and your demographics and where you want to be at to narrow down that. So now instead of going through, you know, 50 phone calls to get one sale, now you only got to go through 10 phone calls to get one sale. So make it easier on you by, by figuring out your marketing aspect. Yeah, it's great. It's a great analogy. And like the way you set the hook, the line that you're using, you know, the reel that you're pulling the fish in with, all that is how you communicate with them. And so here's the crazy thing. 
when that bass is right there and they go to get the net and it's like some bullshit little net that you for an aquarium thing. It's not the right bass net. And they see the bass. It come. It's in the water. It's coming out. It's still in the, and you throw the net down there and then you, the net drops the fish. The fisherman doesn't go, oh, that wasn't my fish. Right? At least the fisherman realizes that was my fish. I just lost my bass. There's the distinction right there because the fisherman's smart enough to know like, hey, I had him on the hook. He was my thing. I had the wrong net. I lost my fish. And if we can help contractors realize the difference between the right customer and whether they have the wrong equipment and the way they communicate, that is the real takeaway. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to, I want to get this across is that, yes, there are, there are wrong customers and you are going to get those. I get them all the time. You know, I even, I even have a, a flaw in my marketing and aspect of what we do, but I can get through that and I can handle it. But you know, the other thing about losing your bat, like if you accidentally catch a snapper, you know, snapping turtle, you don't want him on the line, right? Like you're trying to get him off the line before he gets no, in the boat. No, no, no. I want that guy. Oh, I want okay. him. I, I, snapping turtles are cool as shit. <laughs> I'll build a pond for him. <laughs> Most people don't want those on their line, so they're trying to get him off as quick as possible. But maybe he's maybe that snapping turtle is best friends with the uh, the biggest bass in the lake. Right. So if you just like fling the turtle halfway, launch him across the lake and you piss him off, you know what I mean? You still want to let him off the hook nicely. <laughs> A lot of fun little analogies mixing in here. <laughs> let him off the hook. Yeah. Let him off the hook. <laughs> that part where you catch that bass and you get ready up to the boat and they jump off. That's the part where they say, well, come on out and, and uh, meet with us and, uh, you know, give us an estimate and uh, we'll see if it works. And you, Oh man, I got the biggest bass. I just caught this seven pound bass. He's he said if I come out there to his den, he's gonna you know he's gonna let me catch him. And I go out there and I spend all this time and I'm trolling around you know trying to find him and do all this and and then he calls back and you know I don't I don't hear back from him and I or you know I call him a couple weeks later and he ghosts me and then finally I send him an email and he says oh we we hired somebody else you know we we fired. Uh, we found another fisherman that had a bigger, uh, smaller bait than what we, you were using. So we, we went with him instead. <laughs> is is there a way to recover? That, that's like, look, I think your point's pretty well stated. How can we recover? Can we talk about that or should we just not talk about that? Well, define what you mean by recover. Recover from what? Well, okay. I'm a contractor that does exactly what you say. You know, like I'm that contractor at the beginning of the conversation, the beginning of the podcast, when you were talking, I was like, yeah, that's how I sound. And then like you, then you said, oh my God, that's not the way you talk to customers. That's retarded. You know, like, oh, well, shoot. Well, the way I thought that was the right way to do it. So now what? If your customer, if you're talking to your customers that way, how can we recover? Well, the first thing I would tell somebody is they got to get their marketing on point. And we're not going to talk about marketing, but you just got to start attracting the right the right clients. That's going to make it super easier on the back end when you're trying to, you know, talk to them. There's nothing worse than spending 10 minutes trying to reel in a bluegill thinking it's a big old bass and then you get there and it's like, oh, it's just a stinking little bluegill. So, you have to get the right clients to begin with. That's a no-brainer. But you have to learn how to talk to them. You have to learn 
how to finesse the line, how to set the hook, how to do all those things. And you don't, you don't just wake up one day, put on your tool belt, decide you're going to start your own business and then know how to talk to customers. Like it just doesn't happen like that. Unless you came from a sales profession before you went into construction, most people don't have that skill set. It was eight years in my business. I thought I knew how to sell. And here's, here's the thing, Eric, if I go out to a job for free and I spend 20, 30 minutes with her, I had a high close rate because people trust me. We have good reviews. I can close on site, right? But I was wasting a ton of time going and looking at all these jobs. And so I thought I knew how to sell because I was closing jobs. But when I started learning how to speak, how to communicate, and how to do it over the phone, it freed up 10 hours of my time. And so... The thing you have to do is learn how to communicate. And I don't care where you get that from. There's lots of places that you can do that. But you can't treat your customers like crap and then say, not my customer, whenever they don't hire you. Again, that's the defense mechanism. And what you said right there, Brad, is like the gold nugget, in case anyone missed it, is you saved 10 hours of your time in one week. In one week. You know, do that. In a month, every week, that's 40 hours. I mean, that that is a lot of time, Brad. And 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 the value of, of that time, the older I get, the more I value time, right? And I want to tell you something, too. Some of my younger employees and younger people I know, they value time more than I did at their age. They value the, you know, the experiences and the hobbies and the, you know, hiking and the you know, golfing and those kind of things. The time element for the younger generation, and I would I would attribute that to contractors as well. The time element is is really heavy there. And Brad's testimony to saying, when you learn how to set the hook correctly, when you know what line you should be using and what reel and and you know all those things, when you put all those pieces together, and you you capture the right clients quicker and you get the right profits and all that stuff, the time element goes way up because you're succeeding in less time. And um, I just want to make sure that the listeners really understand that that's the real importance for this. That's a takeaway that I hope everyone catches. Absolutely, Eric. The time aspect, and I think it's definitely more prominent with the Gen Zers. I mean, they, they definitely value more freedoms and times and experiences, you know, even more so over than money. But uh, you know, it's a whole other topic that I don't want to get into, but you're right. A lot of the younger generations, they do value time better than or more than what we did at that age. You know, I think when I was young, I just felt like I had all the time in the world. And so for me, saving 10 hours of time is far more valuable than, say, making an extra $10,000 a month. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I can free up 40 to 50 hours a month of my time, that's worth more than thousands of dollars. A hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, to be able to do that on your own, you know, sporting things that you do for yourself or your fitness or your family, your fun, you know, sleep, you know, think about all those late nights you put in doing estimates and writing stuff up for proposals for people that maybe weren't your clients. But if you would have talked to them correctly in the beginning, sometimes you can figure out that they are not your client in a really calm and beautiful way, speaking to them 
that would keep you from staying up all night putting together proposals for these people because you felt like that's what was necessary. Does that make sense? So, so it's like that right there saves a lot of time. And just by being able to communicate well allows you to free up all that time. I mean, I don't even know how to put it any more clear than that. Well, yeah, and I think you pretty much nailed it there. I mean, I think there's three takeaways that I would want everyone to have here. One is you need to look at your marketing and how if if your phone is ringing off the hook and it's the wrong customer, it's more than likely your marketing, right? So take a hard look at your marketing, your branding, which we've talked about other podcasts. Take a look at that and make sure it's on point. If it's not, try to get help somewhere to get that under control. Because if you can get your, if you could hire a bass guide, bass fisherman guide, and he says, okay, hop in the boat. We're going to go right over here, half a mile across the lake. We're going to drop anchor right here, 20 feet offshore, and we're going to fish underneath this fallen tree, and we're going to catch all the bass you can, you know, desire. Why wouldn't you want to hire that person, right? It's the same with, that applies to any aspects of your business. Hire a guide who can help you find what you need. So the first step is get your marketing under control. You got any thoughts on that? No, I, the the guide thing was amazing because like, do you want to go whitewater rafting down the Kern River on three, four and, and level five rapids without a guide? No. So why why do people, you know, go into business and go into contracting and try and do sales and and not get some kind of guidance, not look for some kind of help and really study it? I mean, it's it seems crazy, but people do it all the time. But that same contractor who's trying to muscle through everything, take all the phone calls, do all his own marketing, rough through all the stuff, do all the estimates. That same contractor, when he goes to the current river, I guarantee you he's hiring a guide. That's the same contractor that would say, that's not my customer. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. So an, Why is it okay in one spot, but not in the other? Right. Absolutely. So get your marketing in check. Number two is... Um, my mind just went blank, Eric. What's number two? I don't know. You can't read my mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> you messed me up with your... Well, uh, it's, your it's about talking to them correctly. It's like, the, number one was like, get your marketing in place. And then once the person picks up the phone and calls, they took the hook. You need to set the hook correctly and have a, a communication plan with them, a process to openly communicate with these people without just jacking it all up and setting the person free you know because because listen it's a bass is down deep and you know they go to bite it and you you set the hook incorrectly you're like oh that wasn't that was probably a crappie that wasn't even a bass you know like if it's murky water how do you know but you have to assume that if you've done your marketing correctly and you've done your branding correctly the phone calls that are ringing hopefully a large majority of them are your highly potential customers. Yeah, so get the marketing under under control. Learn how to communicate with your customers, right? Learn how to talk to them. And the third thing is, and this is, uh, we didn't talk about it too much, but the third thing is don't just treat the customers that you don't think are your customers like crap because you never know who you're talking to. You never know who they're communi- who they have connections with. You just never know. It could be a sweet old lady and she wants something done and you're like, I don't have time for this. And, you know, her son is the uh, head inspector of your city. 
for your permitting. Now, is that you, you think that's going to affect your business if you piss off the head inspector of your city because you t- treated his grandma or his mom like crap? That could be a rough career right yeah. there. Talk about yeah. vendetta, vendettas. I mean, you just never, ever, ever, ever know who you're talking to. So why don't you just do everyone a favor and treat everyone with respect, even if they're not your customer? Treat them with dignity and treat them with respect. Have some integrity. Have some integrity and respect. Well, that's all I got, Eric. Unless you want to add anything to that, you can uh, take us on out of here. Thank you so much for putting up with us tonight. Thanks so much for your attention and lending us your ears for the day. If you're enjoying the podcast, like Brad said earlier, it'd mean the world to us if you take a moment to just give us a review, subscribe, and of course, smash the five-star rating. Listen, if you're looking to communicate with us on a daily basis, uh, kind of get inside our mind and and kind of throw some questions out there and be surrounded by some contractors who want to get better. We have a, a free Facebook group. It's called, what is it called, Brad? The Contractor Profit Group on Facebook. Group, yep. Group, the Contractor Profit Group. It's over on Facebook. It's a free group. You can get on over there. You can just ask to be submitted and ask, answer a couple questions and we'll let you on in. And we have some good communications going on in there. So it's a good way to, to connect with us on the daily. Also, you can find us on, on Facebook and Instagram at at Hammer and Grind Podcast. Reach on over there and communicate with us. We'd love to get some feedback from you on this podcast. And uh, if you want to know more about our private group called the Profit Club, it's our mastermind group that can be found on our website, hammerandgrind.com. So we'll catch you on the next download. Thanks so much for spending time with us tonight.